this day in 1986, the Communards were at number one on the UK with the singles chart Don't Leave Me This Way, which had been a hit for Harold Melvin of the Blue go. Notes yes, and for Thelma Houston. They were a UK synth-pop group formed in 85 after singer Jimmy Somerville left his earlier band Bronsky Beat to team up with classically trained musician Richard Coles. Featured Sarah Jane Morris, and if there's one song that puts you right back into the mid 80s, right slap back in the middle of the 80s, oh, Andrew Clay, you would have been there. I was magnificent back then. Yeah, I was tremendous. Look at me now. It's just, I'm look, a shallow, shallow husk yeah, of a man. But, but it doesn't matter because back then back you were then something. I was tremendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you've never heard of the song. 40 under 40 means that I was barely a toddler in 1986. But we're, oh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> so, so you, they, this wasn't a big hit anywhere around. Monica, where you lived? Not in the 90s, no, no. not that I remember, but um, now I know. Thank you, you just, again for just, new music. Just never heard of this great song? <laughs> new old music. Ne- new never, old. never heard of it? Yeah, I, I, now I know. Yeah, Do you know, know there's yeah. a YouTube channel, or there's different people that go on, that younger people, like yourself, oh, yes. who discover new like music like old Stevie Wonder and Steely Dan and songs like that, and they're hearing it for the first time, and they go, or Beatles or, or, or Pink Floyd. And I, I get addicted to young people discovering this music. Really, like yeah. half of it's got hooks that they listen to in rap songs and stuff like that. Anyway, Kate Bush was a good example on that oh, ne- yeah, yeah. Netflix, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Netflix series, wasn't it? Yeah. Running up now, that road. Running that's it. Running up the hill, do you yeah. think it would be? Or is, is it road running or is it, street pa- is it street? <laughs> running up that street party. Running up that street party. Street party, speaking of which, what a response. I was a child when the Queen ascended to the throne in the UK. We had a street party on Foxhole Road and received coronation mugs. Uh, <laughs> oh, and some merch. Merch yeah. street parties. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, and quite a few responses regarding how you save money, because um, uh, not that... Uh, that's the answer, is it, to the rising cost of living. But if you can shave a bit of money off here and there, why not? We save money by... Oh, it's not a very good one. We... <laughs> well, in my defense, well, I tried to plant tomatoes, uh, tomatoes two years ago, and I realized I spent more money on water and the yeah. stress of turning on and off the water than actually buying a tomato. But I could be doing it's it wrong. probably a panel topic, actually, um, in terms of is it actually worth it regarding the amount of water you have to use. But here's one that I... That I we save money by not using salad dressing. By the time we've chopped tomatoes, mandarin and grapes into the salad, there's more than enough flavour and it's so tasty. Oh, yeah, you can don't put agree. salt on it. No, you don't agree, but you don't can put agree. lemon juice and balsamic, maybe a little bit cheaper. I don't know, but I'm, I, like, I like a good bit of mayonnaise, to be honest with it, you. It's essential, yep. <laughs> you see, there's a look of consternation on your face, listeners. Wallace is looking like, come on. Salad without dressing. I don't want to yes. start something here, yeah, but that? mayonnaise, essential. 25 to 5, the panel. A question to small business owners listening to this. Are you finding it tough to get paid on time? Well, according to a recent study from Zero, you're far from alone. The report titled Crunch, Cash Flow Challenges Facing Small Businesses shows that 45% of invoices issued by Kiwi small businesses in 2021 were paid late. With us is Zero Country Manager Bridget Snelling. They did the report on this. Let's talk about that. Kia ora, Bridget. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you doing? Very, very good. I just, um, I guess it, was, <laughs> it also resonated because I saw someone on Twitter mentioning that they were still waiting for their payment uh, three months later and mm. they were having to sort of manage their household bills and yet they had this big sum of money waiting. How frustrating must that be? Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, we released this report last week and 
uh, as you've said, it shows that there's a real cash flow crunch facing small businesses right now. And it's costing our economy, you know, almost half a billion dollars annually. So it's actually, it's massive for all of us. How late are some businesses being paid? Well, as you said, um, 45% uh, are being paid late. Well, that's what was shown last year. But about 8% of those are coming in more than a month after they're due. Um, and, you know, it's affecting our economy hugely and obviously making things really tough for small businesses. In terms of affecting our economy, how so? Is there a dollar figure on that? Uh, I haven't got that to, to hand other than the, the half a billion annually. So yeah. it's $456 million that the small business economy is um, facing into in terms of delayed payments. What is that? What is that? Why is that cost incurred? Why does it cost that much? Can you explain to? Me? I don't understand why mm. being paid late costs a half a billion dollars to the economy. I don't have all the, the data to hand actually to answer sort of the ins and outs of that. Um, this is some research that was carried out by Accenture for us. But um, the the key thing really is, I guess, what can we do about this, and how, what can all of us do to help? small businesses and that really comes down to things like paying out invoices on time and early where possible. Are there more are there more subcontractors than there used to be is another question because that would be part of the trickiness of paying if it's a big government agency. I don't think about that. This is actually just more about uh, small businesses compared to government agencies but they are part of the mix and uh, as well aren't they Bridget? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I know that the government um, set a target in 2020 to pay 95% of domestic invoices by within 10 business days. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have the data as to how that's tracking, but I think probably most of the issue is actually caused by just the general population being late um, with payments. I'm just wondering, as a a, a reminder to those that... uh, you know, do get that invoice in, and it could be a reminder to those of us who have services done around the home, uh, do try and pay and pay within the limited the time frame allotted because it can be really hellish waiting for that money to come stressful. in. Stressful. It's, so, it's so stressful. Well, I've been, you know, no. I was... Bridget a, first. Oh, sorry, sorry, Bridget, where you go? Oh, sorry, 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 no, I didn't mean to speak of you. No, what I was going to say is, I mean, absolutely, and when we think about the current environment with, you know, rapidly increasing inflation and then labour shortages, which obviously drive in record expenses growth for small businesses, um, when you add late payments into that mix, it, you know, it means that some small businesses, they can't afford to pay their staff on time, they can't afford to pay their mm. own suppliers on time. So there's a massive flow-on effect of this. Yeah, sorry, Andrew. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, well, two things. Firstly, I, I mean, I was for, for the best part of thirty years a, a comedian that worked on a contract, you know, like on, on people paying me. So it, not only is it inconvenient, it's absolutely stressful if you're only source of money and you're self-employed. People don't pay you. But our next partner of mine, she uh, co-owned a bar on Ponsby Road, and her policy was that they pay the little people first. In fact, that they mm. they just decided to pay the little people first because the big companies are not going to fall over if you don't pay their bill exactly on time. But the little people might so if you're out there listening morally you'll be okay the the big business will survive i'm not saying don't pay everyone on time but if you have a choice pay the little the little the little operators first because they're the ones that are going to suffer yeah bridget is that a solution in the sense that uh, i'm helping the smaller business be good at that follow-up email like just to cut and paste to say please your invoice is late because that's part of the problem too is people reminding their Mm. suppliers um, to pay 
So yeah, and I think look, that is exactly where digital tools come into play. And, you know, and obviously, you know, don't want to beat the drum for, for zero on the radio, but actually, that's the whole point of having software that can send invoice reminders. You know, it's an absolutely crucial tool for small businesses to um, make sure that they're invoicing on time, but then also automating that follow-up. I mean, I know, I know personally that you know life's busy and. I love those invoice reminders. What's, um, what's, so I go, um, oh, no, better pay. So, Bridget, what's the timing you say? So, if let's say my deadline is pay invoice 10 days after I give it to you, do you suggest, like, to zero do the reminders seven days after that first? Um, uh, I think it's, uh, it's up to each, everyone can customize it as they like. Um, so, you know, it would be up to an individual business owner to decide. But I think. The key thing is for us, right, the message we're trying to get out there is just pay people on time. Or if you are in a position where you can pay early, then do that because that just helps that cash flow pressure um, and just you know, alleviates the stress on small businesses so much. Yeah. Kia pai te Bridget. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, so talking about uh, a recent study called Crunch Cash Flow Challenges, uh, People being paid late. Well, do you? Is there an example there? You don't have to name the company or whatever. But is there something oh, yeah. top of mind where you thought, "Oh my goodness, is this money ever going to come?" Yeah, yeah. I went and worked to the UK. I mean, it's not this country, so it's not 100 yeah. percent relevant. But I went and did gigs in the UK back about 20 years ago now. And this, uh, you know, maybe slightly shonky promoter took months and months and months. And I started to get a little bit threatening and, you know, said I knew people over in the UK. And I find <laughs> it took me ages to get paid the money that I'd done, like six months to get paid. And again, at that stage, all I was living off just doing comedy. And, and, and it's not, and I, I can't pay my mortgage mm. and my bills if that happens. It's not just inconvenient, it's stressful. There's a thing called fiscal velocity, I guess, is why the, there's a cost, half a billion dollar cost. If there's not money flowing through, it, it, like the flow on effect is the problem. People, small business are more, and, and, and individual people who aren't wealthy actually spend a higher percentage of their income than rich people do. So it's really important to the economy to have fiscal velocity. Yep, quite a bit of response says, I expected John says non payment of bills has always been a problem. Back in the 80s, I worked for more than one third that wouldn't pay their accounts until the supplier refused to provide any more material. Yeah, that's, that's just it's unethical, terrible. isn't it? And it keeps on going. I'm a credit controller for a small company, and I chase every week, and we hardly have any overdue invoices. I call bollocks on panellist store for paying the little guy first. I run a takeaways. If you don't pay the big guys first and on time, they won't deliver later that week. They react very fast. Yeah, well, so, okay. Well, I guess yeah. if you're threatened, yeah, but but my point's still valid sure. if you can get away with it. Yeah. Very good. All right, uh, you're on the panel, RNZ, uh, the panel RNZ National. We have Bootsy Marin and Andrew McClay. You have been asking about this uh, mayo recipe that I've been promoting um, because, uh, well... Um, Sometimes it's $6.80. Exactly, <laughs> and we can't afford it. We can't afford mayonnaise, but guess what? A wonderful panel listener is right this moment listening to Andrew Clay and Bruce Marin, and what's she doing? Making mayonnaise. Kia ora, Cindy. Oh, hello. How are you? Is that right? You're making mayo right now? Yes, I am. Well, I've just finished now, and it's in the oh. cold store. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, if you, if you, um, I should take a photo of this. Bruce has just got, got a pen and paper pen. out. She's literally pen got a pen and paper. paper out. All right. What's the recipe? How do we make our own mayo? Well, it's not my own, I will say. I'm taking it from a very well-known New Zealand um, uh, cook, from her cookbook. Um, am I allowed to say who it is? Yeah, go for it. Yep, it's from Chelsea Winters at my table book. And you need a free-range egg, 
two teaspoons of Dijon mustard, one teaspoon of lemon juice, one cup of neutral oil, so that's rice bran or grapeseed, and some salt. And you um, blitz the egg, mustard, and lemon juice in a food processor or whisk it and just until it's nicely combined. And then this is the um, key thing, is to dribble the oil in very thinly and slowly initially because you want to emulsify it and then just continue, and the food processor is continuing to go while you're adding that thin stream of oil and it will thicken up and then you can just add salt and pepper in Honestly, voila, help. One minute, boom. it's done. One minute, done, <laughs> boom. Six bucks saved. What if the oil is $6? I don't have, that's the one ingredient I'm missing is yeah. the oil. But it won't be the a whole oil, bottle of oil. Yeah, oil's expensive, but you're only using a cup. Okay, I just can't mess up the first time. I appreciate it. I took notes. Thank you Cindy, so much. That is absolutely amazing. Thanks for that. <laughs> Good luck. All How right, about- then. How about that? Yep. Yeah. It is uh, 15 to 5. There we go. Welcome to Wallace uh, there, Chapman's there, cooking there. shows. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow, pikelets. Do you put uh, raisins well, in or not? You'll find out that's after it. the break. It's not a bad idea, Andrew. Thank you. Um, anyway, you're on the panel. RNZ National. Nice to have you company. Another big news today, there's massive relief that a white supremacist has failed in his bid to be elected to the board of the Christchurch Secondary School. Philip Alps, who delivered a severed pig's head to a mosque, came last in the election for the board at Te Aratai College, formerly Linwood College. Alps, the father of six, he wanted to become one of five representatives to govern the school, but he received 25 votes, 2.6% last place. With us is a Te Aratai College parent, Sarah Templin, and also a city councillor for Christchurch's Heathcote Ward. Kia ora, Sarah. Sarah, sorry. No, it is Sarah. Um, Sarah, sorry about that. Um, You must be very relieved. Yeah, I mean, it's the result that we'd hoped for, and um, we kind of expected it, but it's still a huge sense of relief. Just the fact that he considered standing for the school board must be quite chilling. Yeah, it really was when we found out, and um, and I know that there's some discussion about eligibility criteria and I think that really needs looking at. Mm. And what sort of feedback have you had from the community on this latest uh, development? Uh, Everyone's really relieved and um, really pleased and we've got a great board elected. Yeah. Boopsie, something you've ever considered doing being on a school board? You may have already been on one. I've never been on a school board but I've been on a board before and I think it's interesting in that it just shows how if a lot of people don't stand there's and there's no criteria, it's a worry. And the time I was on a board, I was shoulder tapped. And I think this is a lesson that if you know someone in your neighborhood and the election's coming up, you should be shoulder tapping people you want to see in those spaces. And um, that just showed that part of it, I thought, about um, who's putting their hand up and who should put their hand up. Mm. And that's right, because many schools don't have elections at all due to the low numbers of candidates. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and last time, Te Aratai only had five candidates, just five spaces. Yeah. Well, you know, us white folk like to think that we invented democracy. So what a beautiful irony that a white supremacist got booted out in a democratic process. I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah you like to think that's the, the kind of the uh, Eurocentric way of deciding things. And uh, and you lost, mate, hands down. And so, yeah, well played. Well played, uh, the, the voters of that particular election. It's been quite the issue, hasn't it, Sarah, in terms of coming up to the local body elections and this 
how to describe it, an infiltration perhaps of people um, with these types of views, others uh, who really are soaked in misinformation. Uh, are you worried there could be more people like this running? Uh, absolutely. And you know, it's been both the school board of trustees as well as the local body elections. And we know that there have been calls out on Telegram and other sites for people to put their names forward to make the system ungovernable and to cause chaos within schools and our local councils. What's also been quite wonderful, Sarah, is um, you know the students themselves from Te Arata coming forward, being on camera. Um, their voice is really present in this, aren't they? And they've really stood up strong against this. Very elegant voices, some of those students from this college. Yeah, they were just wonderful. And um, it was so good to see them um, rallying in favour of the school's um, values of inclusion and diversity and then them making sure that their parents voted and stuff as well. Yeah, so Sarah, would the positive outcome of this intense situation be that more parents voted? Like how much voted last time as compared to this vote? I haven't heard what happened last time. I have asked. Um, but this is quite a good turnout for school. Usually the vote is really low, if there's even a need for a vote at all. Yeah, it was impressive to see that more than one parent per kid voted, so it was more than the student population. Right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the media coverage around this really helped. Fantastic. Very good, Sir Kiara. Thanks uh, for being with us. That's Sarah Templeton, uh, parent uh, at uh, Tia Tiaratai College, also a city councillor for Christchurch's Heathkit Award. There, a uh, lot of response regarding late paying. I received an invoice with no date on it, so in accordance with normal business practice, I put it down for payment on the twentieth of the month following. Within a couple of weeks, I got a call from an indignant business owner. But it is the responsibility of someone entering business to learn what normal business uh, practice is. And you're all getting in touch with your um, mayonnaise recipes. (laughs) Cheaper ones. So thank you very much. Here's one, a cheap alternative, an easy mayo recipe, a can of sweetened condensed milk, salt, half a teaspoon, malt vinegar, and one cup of mustard powder, whole grain mustard, one teaspoon. There you go. I have that at home. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So that's your mayonnaise out of the supermarket basket. Six dollars saved. Lovely, nice. isn't it? Yeah. Well, the same ex that, 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 that paid the small people purse, she also made a, um, a, a vegan mayonnaise that was outstanding. Now, don't ask me for the recipe. Oh. Don't ask me what was in it. But she made, a, uh, oh. I think, cashews, actually, I think is what it was. But Ooh. it was good. It was, had a little bit of zing to it. It was a good Very mayonnaise. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Nine to five, the panel, RNZ National. The Emmys, they kicked off 3 p.m. today, 8 p.m. LA time. The host, Ken and Thompson, from Saturday Night Live. And a roll call of some pretty fantastic shows, I must say. Succession, as an example, starring Brian Cox as the patriarch of a family jockeying for control of a media dynasty. 25 nominations there. Ted Lasso, is that how you say it? Named Best Comedy last year. 20 nominations. And White Lotus. A favourite of mine about wealthy vacationers at a luxury resort, 20 nominations. The goal is to disappear behind our masks as pleasant, interchangeable helpers. It's tropical kabuki. Aloha. A happy beer. We're on our honeymoon. You're such valued guests. Welcome to the White Lotus. And there's Squid Game that could pull off the win. It would make history as the first non-English language program to claim a series Emmy. And following the Emmys is reported journalist at RNZ, Polina Lau. Kia ora, Polina. Thanks for being with us today. Kia ora, Walla. 
What are the top updates? The top updates, we've got all the sort of big winners, which is very exciting. So you've got Best Outstanding Series Succession. Took that out. I guess not hugely surprising, but it was sort of vying between Succession and uh, Squid Game. So Succession's won that one. Outstanding Comedy is Ted Lasso. Outstanding Limited Series, Your Favourite White Lotus. And oh. uh, an historical win for Best Actor is Lee Jung-jae, who is the Squid Game lead actor guy. And he's the first uh, foreign language actor to win in a lead actor drama series category. First, first pump from you there, Boopsy. Oh, it's just nice. Part of having diversity in film is not just nominating them, but giving them space to Actually win. Actually and... making them win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... them win. Pauline, have you, uh, sorry, uh, Boops, have you seen Squid Game? Oh, yes, I definitely binge-watched it. And I just appreciate it. I hope people who watched it watched it in Korean because the mouths match better and you have to have the patience to read subtitles, but it makes a difference. And I, yeah, yeah definitely watch it without with subtitles, but in Korean, not. Um, they can du- Sometimes Netflix or whatever it's streaming on dub it, dub it will dub it over without you even knowing it's dubbed over, so you have to go in and change it to... Yeah, no, that's a hard watch when it's out of sync, isn't it? Yeah. Polina, did you have a favourite, or did, did the favourites match the, the wins? I wasn't surprised by Succession winning, but I loved Squid Game, so I'm very happy that the actor won. I, I just thought... I, I remember that. That was sort of the one t- that everyone had was definitely watch it in the Korean language with English subtitles, because even the wording and the phrasing would be different, you know, when you translate it, yeah. it changes. Yeah, so, the, so the, yeah, the words they're saying are more angry or different actual text. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and it was, I, I just, it's synonymous for me for, with lockdown, I think. So yeah. I think <laughs> it, it, was this, it was this sort of escape hole that I could go into, and it was quite intense, but, you know, it was just visually everything was different and it was and it was something I hadn't seen before and and yeah I, I loved it I, I acknowledge I acknowledge what you're saying I acknowledge everything about what it stands for and represents but the violence whoa the trailer I stopped right there uh, I, I couldn't get into it. white lotus on the other hand Oh my goodness! I love you're quite sensitive, though. Well, Wallace. am I? Well, yeah, yeah, I think you know. So. But <laughs> but uh, speaking of speaking of comedy, I know nothing about Tedler. So you're a comedian. Is it is it good? I've not. Well, I've only seen bits and pieces of it because I just don't watch a lot of TV because I'm out either performing or coaching. But it, it's uh, it's it was actually based on a small skit done with my team Tottenham Hotspur many years ago, where the comedian involved went and pretended to, you know, American football coach to be able to run an English football, you know, round ball uh, So thing. They basically they made a joke. They said they, an American like me who knows nothing about British football will be the coach, yeah. but his background's American football, so he's like, let's do a touchdown, I mean, goal, or what's yeah, the yeah. name? So it, was a, it came from a small sketch uh, and became a, whole, a TV series. Yeah, and I haven't caught up with it, to be honest with you. What do you think of the, what do you think of the caliber uh, this year, Polina, it strikes me as uh, pretty outstanding. But compared to uh, other years, it seems to be a strong lineup of shows. I think so. I think all, you know, the, in terms of the best um, outstanding series, which I suppose is that big one that everyone wants. Succession is Succession was great. Squid Game was great. Uh, you've got really strong contenders, and same with the acting. Sort of in the acting category, it could, in some ways, it could have been quite a few people's win so it was very hard to um in the, for example in the outstanding drum series you've got stranger things which was big yellow jackets which was big severance i think could have vied for the for the win as well but, but uh, I, 
Sorry, Polina. I was just wondering, did you notice that, like, with um, Ted Lasso, that it's the first time they had West End actual singers that were acting? Um, that made it, people loved it more because of that, because they had different diverse theater actors that no. were yeah, on that TV yeah. show. Polina? Yeah. I want to. I wanted to actually just before we uh, uh, wrap up. Can I uh, just give a shout out, Polina, to quite an extraordinary series I thought, and uh, this person won the lead actress in a limited series or TV movie, and that was Amanda Seyfried for The Dropout, and that was the story of Elizabeth Holmes in yes, Theranos. Theranos, yeah, Ther- yeah, extraordinary, huh? Do, do you know what? I haven't seen The Dropout yet. It's on my list. It's pretty cool. Have we got time for one, think... one, one quick question? Do yeah. you think the advent of all these uh, Netflix, you know, Amazon, all these ones, have they, have they improved the quality of TV? Do you think? I think so, yep. I think, well, do you know what? I reckon it started back with sort of Boardwalk Empire. And right. You mm-hmm. could even say The Wire, where they had this, TV became the cinematic thing. Sopranos. And it started... Yep, Sopranos, it's like the scripting, it started to look like film. And suddenly all this money was being pumped into TV and it's 16 by 9 and people are, you know, actually they want quality. And I think since then and now that we're all flocking to streaming even more, you know, you've you've got all the big Hollywood film stars going to TV. Yeah. And sort of that tells you that's where the audience is, that's where the money's going. And they can make quality programs or quality shows um, on TV. Good on you, Polina. Thanks for that. Very, very good. The Emmys there. Thank you both for today's Koro, you two. Very, very good. Andrew Clay and Bootsy uh, Marin. You're still arguing about mar- mayonnaise. Wallace, it's got to have an egg. The condensed milk one is salad dressing. Don't know, Quay Wallace. Lisa, I want to check board next time. All the big issues.